I got to tell you, that's not the solution for us. We're not investing in real estate. We're not investing in brick and mortar. That was, I think, really one of the worst investments that someone in my particular position could make. Why invest in this amount of space that you can only use half of it for because of social distancing? I don't think social distancing is going away for a while, not until we're far out of the woods of, of what's going on right now. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast from Uniform, the podcast that dives into real conversations that are happening in contact centers around the world. Here you'll experience exciting interviews with well-known thought leaders, hear compelling stories from industry experts, gain fresh insights on contact center best practices and more. So grab a beverage and tune in as we get real with Conversations That Matter. Welcome everyone to the Unifor's LinkedIn company page. My name is Randy Kassar, and I'm the host of today's conversation that matters. And we are talking about 2021 contact center predictions. So we've compiled some great guests for you and let's bring them on to the show. Here we go. Hello, everyone. My fabulous, sensational guests. We have three amazing panelists that are going to share their views on what the contact center is going to be like. So let's introduce everyone. So Leslie O'Flavin from eWrite. Leslie, welcome. Hey, how are you doing, Randy? How's it going? Doing great today. It's a beautiful day and we are excited to talk. So Let's get into who you are and what expertise do you bring to this conversation? Well, hi, I'm Leslie O'Flahaven of eWrite. My company's business is to help people learn to write well at work. And we focus on helping frontline customer service agents write better email, chat, social media, text, and whatever else is coming down the way. So I'm coming here today full of predictions about the day-to-day -day work life of frontline customer service agents. That's my little slice of this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for, for joining us. All right, Neil, let's start with you. Tell people who Callzilla is and what expertise do you bring to this conversation? Thank you, Randy. Really appreciate you having me on and, and thank you to Unifor for allowing me to participate and be on this panel with some really smart people. So I am the president and co-founder of Callzilla. We are an outsourced contact center, also known as BPO or business process outsourcer. We've been in business 15 years. We combine all the latest and greatest in terms of technology and we prove that in outsourcing relationships, you can achieve multiple things. You can achieve high performance, high quality, customer resolution, and hopefully cost savings. We check all the boxes and allow you the, the full lap around the bases and, and come out ahead. I have a side hustle, which I started at the beginning of COVID with a co-host and co-creator, Paul Catherall. We yeah. host a customer experience podcast called Fireside Chats Without the Fires. And I've had a lot of fun doing that. And I get to see yeah, really a few of those episodes. And, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of fun, get to talk to a lot of really great thought leaders, authors, practitioners about the topics of the day, lots of different topics. I learn a lot. We get to ask a lot of questions. I get to be the loud one on the podcast. I played <laughs> that role, I think, fairly well. I'll be a, maybe a little of the loud one on, on this one today, just slightly. And I did some, you know, before I did some figure wagging, I promised to do a little bit of finger wagging today, but it's, it's all in good fun and, and uh, hopefully, you know, pr present some interesting ideas and challenging ideas. Definitely. No, I appreciate that. And last but not least, Dan, coming in from New York, tell us a little bit about yourself and Opus Research and what expertise you bring to this conversation. Sure. So I'm Dan Miller. I'm the lead analyst and actually the founder of Opus Research, which I founded back in 1986 <laughs> to look at, we didn't call it this back then, but forever now we've been calling it conversational technologies or conversational service automation and that sort of stuff. Because back then, contact centers were like the first place where phone lines and computers <laughs> were in the same place <laughs> connected to networks 
And we saw some of the big leading edge technologists. So I, I think, although I was an English and history major and think I write really well, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to you know, this conversation going on, I, I'm, I'm kind of the resident nerd here. And you know, so here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, thank you for being the resident nerd. I am the chief gadget officer in my household <laughs> as well. So I usually get the phone call whenever something's not working. So let's kind of move on from that. To start off, you know, we'll get to the predictions and kind of the, the you know, what's happened in 2020. But to have a little fun, let's just do a little rapid fire. And, you know, this is short, quick answers. And I think what we'll do is start off with a really simple one for 2020. And what has been your favorite takeout in 2020? Because all of us are working at home. Um, and maybe you've gone outside for dinner and, and being safe and healthy. But what's been your favorite takeout in 2020? New York's got some I gotta places. go with egg rolls. <laughs> you know, Chinese is, is you know go to and classic, and egg rolls are finger food. And you know, you now check a box on your smartphone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the DoorDash IPO just happened, so I mean, they're, uh, they're doing a good job over there. I've used them quite a bit this year. I'll go with myself. My favorite takeout has been from a restaurant called Los Altos Grill. And they have an amazing fresh rotisserie chicken with some cornbread croutons to go with it and some dates on it. I was like, I never fell in love with the salad, but that's the salad I fell in love with. So that's me. Neil, go for it, man. The best takeout is the yeah, latest the takeout. takeout. I literally, just before I jumped on the call, I had this. And what was in here was a bowl of matzo ball soup. Oh, right. And the latkes. And the latkes, you know, you celebrate the latkes tonight. I mean, what better way to Wait, get right. time they did, so, take out latkes latkes? they did take out latkes? Oh, yeah. Okay. You don't do take out latkes? You make them yourself no, these days? Come I on. do. Absolutely. Whoa. Well, that's my job tonight. And and yeah, it, it was the jelly donuts that we did store-bought. But no, make the potato pancakes at home. <laughs> All right, Leslie, from your perspective, tell us your favorite takeout. I'm keeping it real, and my favorite is always pizza, and I'll eat good pizza or bad pizza as long as there's cold beer in a can to go with it. And when I don't have to make dinner or clean it up, that's my favorite takeout. Yeah. Awesome. Chicago or New York pizza? Would... Well, I'm a Chicagoan by birth, but I live in Maryland, which is kind of a pizza wasteland. So <laughs> I eat the least yucky pizza I can order. But if I were back in Chicago where I grew up, well, of course it would be Chicago pizza. I don't know what that yeah. thin stuff in New York's all about. Oh, oh, that should be good for some good commentary. All right. So for those of you that are joining us, th thanks everyone for that quick little rapid fire. It's always fun. So for everyone that's joining us, let us know where you're from. Comment below. Let us know where you're tuning in from. If you have a favorite takeout for 2020, that's great. And we'll start getting right into the conversation. Hello, all. Hello, LinkedIn user. Hello, all. And then we have also Josh. Hi, Leslie. Great to see you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Josh, for tuning in. So great to see. Josh, feel good guy. Good guy. Awesome. All right. So uh, the first question of the day is around the CX priorities that contact centers have had to juggle and, and maybe adapt in 2020. You know, before we get to the predictions, you know, what is actually you think going to change between what's happened in 2020 and what's going to happen in 2021? Let's start with Neil. Start with you. Perfect. Okay. So here's where the finger wagging comes in. <laughs> I think if I were to predict that most people in the audience, most people in LinkedIn, most people in our community, perhaps the other esteemed colleagues on the panel here would talk about some really hot button important issues. We're going to talk about employee experience. We're going to talk about automation. We're yeah. going to talk about engagement. We're going to talk about CSAT. We're going to talk about like the things that I think in our community that are so important and critical that we all know about already. But I'm going to go off the board on this one a little bit. Oh. And here's, again, the finger wagging. Here it comes. For those of us that like a very simple, easy takeaway, here it is. 
It starts with the letter K, and there's also a number, 1B. Here it is. Okay. The K is for customer. The number 1B is 1 billion. And the reason I mention these things is for those of us that are in the customer care world, whether you're a brand, you're an outsourced contact center, you're a technology provider, what's going to happen is as a result of the recent news that Facebook is acquiring customer, a contact center platform for $1 billion, and assuming that acquisition goes through, that is going to revolutionize our industry even more so than what's going on today. Those of us that don't know what that means, better start finding out what it means. And that means, in my opinion, it's going to spur massive consolidation at every level among technology providers, among BPOs. Those tools that Facebook is acquiring through this platform are going to massively push automation, also commonly known as bots, and it's going to significantly change our industry. And with those of us that don't understand it, you just start to understand what that means. We should be not scared of it, but scared because we need to energize and get our hands around what the next steps are. What is it that customers are going to want and need as a result of this? And what's going to happen in our litany and portfolio of business partners and vendors from technology and from live agent? I would just close with this. I am for the live agent world. My business process outsourcing company called Zillow is fundamentally live agents. Those of us that are in the live agent business need to get our act together and introduce automation. Not because someone's telling us to, but right. when Facebook plops down $1 billion, they're not investing in live agents. They're investing in tools for automation. Yeah. That's not because I want it, but I think that's what's going to happen. We all are going to have to swim up that stream for better, for worse. Any comments from Leslie or Dan on that one? Well, I'll dig in. (laughs) (laughs) So that that is the high hard one, not the softball. I'll push back a little bit because I I would say, yes, the customer acquisition is going to get people starting to think about what you do. And for those who aren't really familiar with customer's core business, it really is aggregating personal data about individuals and then putting tools in front of it to the point, you know, to help agents become more productive, theoretically, to do better customer care and that sort of thing. But I was going to say, as you look forward, you know, the major prediction coming in 2021 has to do with what we call conversational service automation, (laughs) with what amounts to in this doing better listening. And if you're going to put it in the context of the customer acquisition, better listening might just mean better, you know, sort of capture and aggregation of, you know, data about the individuals that are your customers or prospects. (laughs) But look at what's happening to Zuckerberg right now. (laughs) They're just about to sort of break up the company. And there's just concern about you know, all of the personal data that they're aggregating, to which my point is better listening really does mean doing more capture of the conversations that originate from an individual. And that could be your agent or that could be your customer, but doing a better job of using the automation tools that are out there to understand their intent, predict their intent and do a better job of serving them. So, so that's what I'm going to say that, that, yeah, it's an efficiency play. It's an automation to augment your agents, augment people as opposed to, Hey, this could be a threat to your business. Hopefully (laughs) it, it reframes how we, how we look at, you know, how important what we say and do 
including finger wagging, because they're going to catch your gesture on these videos. As well. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I do the finger wagging with love. I promise this with love. <laughs> cool. Leslie, uh, from your perspective, you know, you work with the frontline customer service agents quite a bit. How have you seen their priorities change over the past, say, 12 months? Well, I have my prediction to offer, but to comment very, very briefly on Neil's comments about customer and then Dan's comments that customer is yet another tool that's supposed to help agents do better work, to augment their abilities to do better work. For me, my perspective that the last nine months has been a thinning of the middle. Companies that were doing an average okay-ish job at customer experience and at customer service and who were enabling their frontline customer service agents to do an average and okay-ish job, they've kind of disappeared in my opinion. Everybody in my opinion, this emergency of the last nine years, everybody's been pushed to the outer edges of the bell curve. So some companies are doing great. And as an itinerant in delivering excellent, flexible, AI-supported or human-agent-only supported customer care, and as an itinerant person, as a consultant who comes and goes a lot of places, I see quickly whether things are working well or things are working poorly. And when I hear about a gigantic purchase of software, I always wonder, is the employee experience, is the setup for the human people to do the job either as humans alone or humans interacting yeah. with AI? Is it acceptable? Is it adequate? And in these day and age, when the companies that are struggling, they are way down at the bottom, the mm-hmm. far end, and the companies that are succeeding are way up at the high end here. And I don't see how the software really helps very yeah. much in the middle. Very true. I mean, I, I think it's it's still yet to be see how it plays out in 2021, but it's definitely a consolidation, I think, is what we're what we're seeing. All right, Leslie, I mean, you just talked about employee experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been a key topic of contact centers in 2020 as everyone's gone working from home. And we're not talking about the work from home phenomenon because <laughs> that's been done ad nauseum. But from a motivational standpoint to helping agents, where do you see that changing in 2021? How are agents... You know, they still need to work from home from most places in the world. How are they still going to be kept motivated? So if you could comment on that and kind of tie it into the employee experience conversation, that'd be awesome. I think motivation is going to be a real concern because I think even as we talk, when I talk with my colleagues, when I talk with my clients, I feel like we've been living the last nine months on the fumes of the relationships we built in person yep. before the last nine months. And though many, many employees are glad to be working from home and many companies handle work from home very well, they handle it very well in, an, in a universe where they could join together physically if they wanted to. And when that universe doesn't exist, it really is hard to keep employees motivated and connected. And it gets very gamey and, Mm. I don't know, trickstery to keep people (laughs) connected, but it is possible. More than motivation, though, the thing I think is going to describe employees' greatest concerns in the next six or eight months or so is their rights to determine... what happens to their own bodies via vaccine. Hmm. I think this is going to be, it's, it's an issue we haven't faced in our world before is will you take a rather untested inoculation 
in order to retain your job. And I think that worry blows all the other ones out of the water. Like, am I motivated? Do I like work from home? Are you attending to my wellness? Or are you... You know, are you going to require that that I get vaccinated and what level of risk am I to absorb? And how about you, my employer? Yeah, that brings up a whole other conversation. But I think you're right that the the questions of, of motivation are not what they used to be. And that it's a reality that, that companies need to work with their employees and to be transparent about those decisions that they have to make in their personal life. Right. So, yeah. Neil, talk to us about your company and how you guys are, are working on keeping your agents motivated and keeping them super positive when they're talking to customers. What have you done in 2020 that uh, will carry over into 2021? It's a really timely question. So we've always been a brick and mortar facility. We also happen to operate near shore. And so that introduces some some interesting dynamics, a little bit different than what happens onshore here in the US. The reason I mention this is that prior to COVID, I would have never, ever wanted to do a work from home model in that particular region we operated. I didn't believe in it. Well, never say never, right? COVID came and we had we had no choice. So we moved to an exclusive work from home strategy because we had to. Yeah. Now we are able to bring some of the workforce back if we want, but just because we want doesn't mean we should. I'm faced with an interesting series of decisions. Our business fortunately is growing, it's expanding. What does that mean in a, a BPO world? You typically you grow the number of you, you add an additional site, you add a new floor, you add. But I, I got to tell you, that's not the the solution for us. We're not investing in real estate. We're not investing in brick and mortar. That would be, I think, really one of the worst investments that someone in my particular position could make. Why invest in this amount of space hmm. that you can only use? half of it for because of social distancing. I don't think social distancing is going away for a while, not until we're far out of the woods of what's going on right now. The reason I mention all this is that we are, here we are, I, I never said never, right? Well, here we are. I'm not investing in sites. I, we are investing in work from home. We are optimistic about it. We've had to change some of the operating philosophies, some of the technology, all of it for the better. We've tightened up our, our, our tools and, and yeah. really have our finger, hopefully, on how to measure productivity. We have to be very clear on our compliance. All of that means that while we're offering an opportunity to, in theory, be more comfortable, more convenient, not have to commute, work from home, there's a whole other series of things that, that come along with it just in how we engage our workforce. There's another interesting thing. So, you know, I, I like to, again, I'm going to wag my finger just a little bit and, and challenge some of these thoughts. Pre-COVID, when the labor market was really, really, really tight, companies had to be very careful with how we treated employees and offering, you know, perks and benefits, and and, and yeah. many companies just bent over absolute backwards to retain their employees and keep them engaged. What's going to be interesting to see is that if the labor markets continue kind of soft, what does that mean that companies are going to do? Are, going to, are companies going to continue to bend over backwards? They no longer, in theory, have to. Yeah. And I like to see, you know, kind of where the rubber hits the road. Are companies really going to continue to support this thing that some people call a myth of employee engagement and motivating employees? In a tight labor market, you have to. Now that the labor market isn't so tight, I'm curious to see whether that's really going to happen. The only other thing I w- want to add totally separate is that there's no easy button towards, it, you know, maintaining your employees motivated. It used to be the pizza party, but I think we all probably know that the pizza party, it's smoke and mirrors. It doesn't really do much. It keeps people happy for a minute. I'm like Leslie. I love, you know, pizza more than anybody and a cold can of beer. <laughs> Leslie and I have debated about local pizza in Washington, D.C. We have got a very funny social media thing about a particular restaurant. But anyway, we all love pizza parties, but I don't think pizza moves the needle in employee engagement. And it's up to us to figure out 
what really does. And I think that just depends on your geographic market where you're located in, the age group of your employees, the type of service that you're you know, providing it, it. There's no clear cut recipe to this. I wish it were. I wish it was just a pizza, throw me a piece of pizza because I'm really simple, but I think the workforce is not that simple. Yeah, that's great points. So thank you everyone for all the comments that are coming in. Some great stuff. we got some great questions. We'll be answering those in probably about five to eight minutes and then we will start just debating even more. So uh, this is great stuff. So Dan, one of the things that you talked about is around AI and automation and conversational service automation. Tell us from your perspective, how you've seen the contact centers adopt AI and automation in 2021. And do you see that yeah. as a... <laughs> well, I haven't seen a, 2021 yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you can see the future. To come. I love it. Um, you can see the well, future. I mean, it's incontrovertible that we've seen an acceleration of the adoption of new technologies in support of work from home. So that, you know, these contact center supervisor in a brick and mortar situation, in addition to showing where the pizza is or, you know, lobbying on behalf of, you know, bringing in the keg or, or whatever, you know, they've become really concerned that, you know, there isn't the person to person sort of oversight. And there's been an accelerated deployment of technologies that use AI to sort of rapidly understand the intent of a call or a contact. <laughs> because the other thing that's happening with the contact center is that, you know, it's part of a digital mix. So that, you know, from the point of view of agent, and I guess as a technologist, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to impute, or yeah, I'm going to infer from what, from the changes we've seen in the agent workstation and what gets displayed, what shows up in screen pops, how they become more dynamic, how next best action has, has sort of become important. I think the idea is twofold in, in this distributed environment you want agents to succeed. And in some cases, you want to use technology to do the stuff that they find really boring. <laughs> so that's, it's, you know, it's sort of like recognizing the purpose of repetitive calls and trying to do that in automation or summarizing the purpose of a call at the end of the call so that somebody isn't just sort of going through the motion of, yeah, this was about that or that so that you get more insights about the call without burdening the agent with the stuff that they're not trained. I shouldn't say not trained to do, but it's not first nature. If you, if you do hire the right people and you mm -hmm. train them correctly, they're there to help the customers. <laughs> they're yeah. not there to like summarize the purpose of a call afterward. And they're not there to just sort of help them authenticate themselves or, you know, answer like something that they could have found on the website. So that was my long-winded way of saying we've seen the rapid adoption and actually acceptance. And I'm interested in Leslie's point of view about this is that some of these actually improve an agent's experience, you know, by removing some of the stuff that they really don't like. And in some of the cases where we interviewed customers of companies that are bringing automation in to answer customer questions or, you know, offer, you know, it, it could have been like clippy. It could have said, oh, I see you're trying to do such and such. And shouldn't you do it this way? They're actually saying, you know, I like this. I, I like that they're doing the stuff I don't want to do. And I wouldn't have thought of such and such. And so I'm encouraged by how I see technology being adopted. Leslie, uh, any comments on that? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Some automation makes agents' life so much better. With who, whoever works in tech support who wants to answer how to reset the password again? <laughs> Nobody. Right. But there's a couple of things I have been watching out for. 
behind my shoulder, many, many years behind, and I'm still watching out for it. And that is when the automation drops out those easy, repetitive questions, are agents given time mm. to handle the more difficult questions? Because when they're, the more difficult questions are slower to handle. And when they're not given enough time, when the expectation is you answer those difficult questions as rapidly as you answer the easy ones, that's a horrible agent experience. And the automation is essentially punishing the agent. Also seeing the world's raggediest implementation of agents. Just today, I was trying to buy some flowers from my friend who lives in Utah. And so I think a lot of florists that I worked with today had chatbots implemented. Well, I mean, broken would have been a flattering comment. <laughs> they were worse than broken. They were incoherent. One, the, the opening message from the chatbot was, how can I offer you information about our firm? Yeah, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And the other one allowed me to interact a couple times. Then it requested my email address. And then it said it would email me within 24 hours. Now I'm on an e-commerce site. What do I need a 24 hour <laughs> communication? Yeah. So from an agent experience standpoint, now the agents are handling people who technology have made angry. Yeah. And that's not, that's a terrible agent yeah. experience and a terrible customer experience. Yeah, those emotions tend to uh, kind of go crazy when I have experienced as well. I mean, I was on a chat out of all companies with Apple mm. going through about five different chats, re explaining my situation over and over again. And now, for a short break, let's learn more about Unifor. Unifor is the global leader in conversational service automation. The company's vision is to disrupt an outdated customer service model by bridging the gap between human and machine using voice, AI, and automation so that every voice on every call is truly heard. For more information about Unifor, go to www.unifor.com, email podcast at unifor.com, or tweet at Unifor. And now, back to the podcast. Luckily, I got my I got a new phone, which is good. Thank you, Apple Care. But but it was a long experience. Yeah. All right. Let's get into one of the questions that relates to one of the questions that we already we were going to cover, but it was around skills. So let me just bring this up. Right, this gentleman here wondering if panel can talk about what's next gen skills mm. of a remote human that needs to be built. How much it has impact on this experience versus price play going forward? Would like to challenge that one. So there's a lot in this question. It's, it's a good one. This is my paraphrase of what I think this person wants to know, Sri. So what I think Sri is asking is, what is the frontline employee like in increasingly automated world, I think? That's how I interpret it. Is, is, yeah. Does everyone agree with the question? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we can center the conversation around kind of the skills that people are, that need in 2021 in relation to keeping the remote workforce kind of up, up and going. So that's how we can look at it. Leslie, oh, was that the, was my interpretation? I saw you shake your head. Yeah, you, I, I may be you, fully off on this one. You read it differently, but but having listened to you paraphrase it as you did, now I'm really curious for your answer. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you have to say. You know yeah. people. Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't think there's a clear-cut answer. I mean, I, I think, so if we go with the idea that we're going to take away, we're going to skim off the repetitive, monotonous, boring work for the agent, Right. We're going to give the agent the trickier questions, the ones that aren't so clear cut, that want, the ones that can't be automated, at least here in 2020, almost 2021. So that, in theory, then means that the new agent has to be a, a bit higher skilled, maybe has more experience, more adept at 
what he or she does. And the level of training that that person has to have received can no longer be raggedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. To quote Leslie O on that one. Yeah. I think that's the common knowledge. That's the easy answer. Was there a portion of the question that had to do with like, you know, the skills of working re- remotely from home? I mean, come right. on. Right. No, there was Street. a con- concept of a remote human. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's, a, here's another question from Guillermo. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar to that. Oh, okay. I can jump skills. in. Yeah, please. Okay. I can jump, jump in. in. What are the new skills expected or desired to secure success for the business? I want to give this answer with, you know, the theme Randy asked us to address, which is the near future, predictions for the near future. Yeah. I think that agents are going to have to learn to answer questions that they have never been asked before and that are really extremely difficult to answer. So back a couple years ago, I used to, I was working with a lot of airlines. This happened over the last couple years. And sometimes customers would ask really difficult questions. And here's an example. Why was the fare I found online less expensive than the bereavement fare you offered me so that I could travel to my father's funeral? That's a difficult question to answer. That's embarrassing for the airline. But I think that is nothing compared to what's coming in the early part of 2021. And that is customers are going to ask, they are asking to be provided services they can no longer pay for at all. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of credit card balance, can't pay it. Mortgage, cannot pay it. My rent, cannot pay it. My health insurance, can't pay it. Can't pay my medical bills. I have no money. I've been out of work. And I think frontline customer service agents and companies are going to have to figure out how to answer these extraordinarily difficult questions with poise because those questions were off the table in the past. If you don't have the money, you can't have the service. But in this emergency year, and I think 2021 will mostly be an emergency year, they will have to figure out how to answer the most difficult questions they have ever heard. Well, and let me chime in with something that may shock you, but one of the things we learned, because in the old world of BPOs, <laughs> there was a category of service provider that were the skip tracers and collections, and they mm-hmm. were the king of outbound. And they were finding that individuals who were in sensitive financial situations preferred to talk to bots <laughs> rather than talk to a person. <laughs> and, you know, that it's orthogonal to your discussion of the skills that an individual might have. Because one of the things we discovered in the rush to sort of get things done, because I, I was going to argue that one of the things we look for in 2021 is a retooling of what the KPIs are for the contact center, for the BPOs, that gets more and more oriented towards task completion. Now, among those tasks may be renegotiating how much you can pay and that sort of thing. But the skills that you may want to train. Well, one of the things that they were finding as they put task completion in is that, hey, there's a whole generation of customers that don't think automated handling of their problem is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In some cases, they'd like to complete these tasks without involving a person. And that may speak to what the past training of customer care agents were, how their performance was measured, what they were trained to do, and how empathetic, I was going to be the first one to use that word today, (laughs) it may turn out to be. That's funny. I asked a question on LinkedIn, what was the most overused word in the contact center in 2020? (laughs) And I think it's either empowered or empathetic. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Those are the two. (laughs) I don't use empowered. No, I I don't. It's not because it's played out. It's because it's unmeasurable. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't use pro. I don't use empathetic because I think it's it's overblown. (laughs) Here's another question. Said the the nicest guy we know, actually. (laughs) With finger wagging. All right, this gentleman, Chris. Patton, what tools do you think will appear in the future that will help collaboration and engagement? I open this up to probably Dan and Neil will probably be sure. most appropriate on that one. Yeah. Uh, and if, let's so, see if you have any comments on that, but go ahead. So it's really fascinating, you know, going back two years, the platforms for customer engagement added the word collaboration. So it was customer care and collaboration. And, you know, we've seen an evolution of the core technologies towards what amounts to co-browsing. So you you sort of assume that it may be only the sophisticated customers now, but you have to start thinking that all customers have access to the same information that an agent has, <laughs> that this, what some people call customer journey, that, that we call these asynchronous conversations between brands and their customers, start with a Google search <laughs> and everybody can do that. And then they land on the you know business's website and right. They can find most of this stuff. So the, the tools that help agents gain access through their workstation to the, at least the same information or sometimes better than a customer and sort of makes the assumption that, you know, they've done a lot of the search and qualification and decision making and stuff. And they have a pretty specific question by the time they're engaging a live agent. You know, so it's, you know, we're far beyond, hey, you shouldn't have to repeat yourself if you're calling Apple to get a phone, (laughs) but the information about the call travels with the call. Along with that is the information about the individual that is the customer. There's the matching of the customer with what you know about the agent and their background, his or her background, all that sort of thing. It's all possible. We've seen it deployed and and just sort of hope that it expands its deployment. Yeah, let's get on to the next question. Actually, one quick comment. Leslie had some good comments there. It's going to be about empathy, the emotion that humans will always have, always be best at delivering. And then our next question comes from Kimberly. What does the panel think is the right training environment and what does that look like when it is potentially all virtual? (laughs) It's a long question, but Neil, I think you'd probably be the most appropriate person to talk about virtual training and, and how that's going for you and what you think needs to change in 2021. Thank you. Yeah. Training is critical. I, again, we'll go back to what Leslie o so eloquently said. Training can no longer be raggedy. <laughs> We've gotten away with raggedy for, for too long. It can't be raggedy. We need better tools. So for us, a natural progression is e-learning. Tools that are no longer based in a classroom, that are no longer PowerPoint-based, that are no longer feel like you're sitting in second grade and having the teacher bark at you. Those don't work especially in a remote environment. You have to have tools that allow collaboration, interaction that I believe are on demand. So as people are at home, they can flip on the screen whether they're taking a call or whether they're not taking a call during the break, they, they're learning. You can you press play and the learning is available. Just look at you know what LinkedIn learning has done. It's, it's there, it's on demand. But, but in terms of contact center and customer care, it's got to be delivered to the desktop. It's got to be able to, you can press play whenever you want on demand. And it's got to be, I believe, interactive. It's got to be multimedia with a special emphasis on video yeah. and, and role playing in situations. And no longer the old way, we, we figured out this out, out the hard way. For years, we were putting up, slapping up PowerPoints and putting up, you know, throwing up on the overhead projector and doing this, wagging the finger again, right? Wagging the finger at the students in the classroom and, and trying to push content into their head and expecting them to remember it. That's just, that's ridiculous. That's shooting yourself in the foot. 
training by example, giving real life examples, showing them how to handle when, again, to, to Leslie's example, when the customer calls in and says, I can't pay for this and sits there like this and that awkward silence takes place. What do you do? Real life examples. Yeah, yeah, totally. That for me is the, is the critical piece. And those students are no longer going to come back into the classroom. You got to be able to deliver that remotely to whether they're sitting in the living room, their bedroom, the toilet, wherever it is that they're sitting, they've got to be able to consume the training content. I really liked Kimberly's question. And I think there's one part that as an educator, I want to answer a little bit differently. Virtual training has all the advantages Neil listed. Of course, you can invoke it at any time. You can learn in shorter periods. A training developer can develop elaborate scenarios and offer all the collateral that a learner might have to use to walk through all of them. But practice is social. And coaching is social and coaching happens during training. So I think, and, and when you are physically together during training, the practice, the coaching and the feedback is ad hoc because social settings allow for it. When the learning situation does not allow for connection, for engagement, live, real-time engagement between human learners, you have to budget time for it. You have to add that on. And virtual meetings are an acceptable way to do it, but you cannot. I have like a formula in my head. Let's say for 30 minutes of virtual learning, where you have the learner and the screen only, we should probably budget 10 minutes of conversation, like 30 minutes to 10 minutes, because without the conversation and the practice, the learning does not stick. And also learning in isolation is isolating. And we Mm. know that when you're working remotely, the last thing we want to add is deeper isolation. Yeah, that's very true. All right. So I think we're coming up on time here. Uh, I thank everyone for all your questions. Any last minute ones, definitely comment now. But let's start with some uh, closing thoughts. You know, the point of this was around predictions. If you guys just want to share your closing comments on the predictions uh, for next year from a contact center perspective. So Dan, I see you're chuckling there. I was thinking, well, clearly we're going to come full circle and say the secret to good training is, well, the secret to success, let's assume... We are going to be working remotely for the time being. I think, you know, the way the vaccine is being distributed is going to move to what Leslie was saying, at least for the first half of the year. And then we can figure that out. So it all gets down to how quickly you can deliver pizza to the people that are working remotely as sort of incentives for behaving correctly. But shy of that, <laughs> wasn't a great laugh line. I'm going to modify what I had said initially. I, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of attention will have to be paid to technologies that support what's impolitely called onboarding and training and make that follow an engagement model that uses sort of conversational technologies to just sort of keep people in the flow and, you know, sort of recognize that we all have to just collaborate better even though we are remotely and and we're learning that you know with every family zoom occasion yeah <laughs> we'll be lighting the candles tonight and all that sort of stuff exactly. so some of that will happen organically so neil closing comments perfect so i think you know i made my feelings felt feelings felt, made it express them about where i think the industry is going yeah consolidation with a very strong push towards automation. By the way, this acquisition by Facebook of customer is just one. Remember, there's another big one called Google that's out there and there's Amazon and they each have their products. And I don't think either of them are going to sit by and watch Facebook with a land grab. 
my expectation is that these land grabs are going to continue and that's why the consolidation will happen. It's going to affect all of us. Where I'm going with this is I think that for better or worse, there's going to be a massive push towards automation. And either you embrace it or you don't embrace it. Not because I love it or hate it. I just think that's the direction things are going. And I think that uh, you can either jump on or, or not be part of it. And I think we have to be part of it. That's where the industry is headed. And so therefore we need to no longer be raggedy in how we design <laughs> experiences, how we design the journey, making sure that we get better, cheaper, faster, which includes resolution, little to no wait times, but most importantly, resolution. And that will lead to satisfaction. That for me encapsulates where I think the industry is going over the next year. Awesome. Great insight. And I believe Leslie, you're next in terms of your closing comments. Okay, I've got two predictions. One is about employee experience and the other one is about customer experience. Here's my employee experience prediction. In March and April, employees saw their companies rapidly move them from working on site to working at home. Companies have been talking about doing this for years. They had been doling out permission to work at home very parsimoniously for months and years. But when everything came down, they decided in a week to send everyone home and make it work. So employees now know that their employers can be very flexible when called <laughs> upon, and they are not going to tolerate other kinds of nonsense. I don't think they should. So Neil's comments are important in this light. The job market is rather soft. We don't know how much power employees can wield. But we do know that employees notice when employers are hypocritical. And if they say, you know, put your comments in the comments box, we're taking it under advisement, we're thinking about it, we're planning for it, we're considering it, employees will know that in April 2020, everyone worked at home when they hadn't been working at home before. So in my opinion, my prediction is employees won't tolerate this kind of we're thinking about it behavior from employers anymore. Now, my second one is customers' expectations for a great customer experience are going to change. We all know that customers' expectations continue to grow and we are kind of running to catch up. But customers have had incredibly intimate customer service with healthcare providers over the last six months. And they have experienced that the very thing they thought could only happen in an office, namely that a physician would examine them when they're ill, can happen virtually. And if that can happen virtually, <laughs> then I shouldn't have to repeat my account number six times to have you check my bill. So they've seen how, you know, something that was considered impossible as a customer and a client interaction can be possible. And they will not accept the idea that they have to have a tiresome old school experience anymore. Very well said. And in the words of one of our users that's uh, commenting in, Raggedy, word of the year for 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be a... <laughs> if there's anything you remember from this uh, conversation, right. Raggedy is the word. <laughs> right. No, thank you, Leslie. I appreciate those comments and definitely uh, employee experience, you know, more human, more compassion. It just needs to happen and there shouldn't be any pressure for that to happen. It should just be, it should just happen. Hmm. What, you know, easier said than done. Who am I? I'm just a moderator. Anyways, next, go through a, a few more comments and then we'll just say our goodbyes. So Paul was saying, thanks guys, great discussion. Neil, you know Paul, he's your co-host on Fireside Chat. Shout out to Paul. Shout out to Paul. <laughs> Much love, mate. <laughs> we got Mike Aoki saying wonderful 2021. Sri, love the conversation. The insights are wonderful and digital adoption is real for all of us. And 
Guillermo, excellent conversation. What is coming next? Big challenges for this industry indeed. Yeah. Kimberly, I wanted to say thank you to Leslie and Neil. I truly appreciate the insight. I'm, I'm sure you too, Dan. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, I'm good um, <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, thank you for the suggested formula. That's really good inf- information to have. That's awesome. And Pete is saying thank you. Awesome. And then Kimberly, last one. Thank you all so much. I truly appreciate the conversation, knowledge sharing, and insights. You welcome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for this amazing we're at 52 minutes right now. So got a little longer than we wanted, but I think it was super valuable and, and I appreciate all the honesty and the transparency and just the, the humor <laughs> that actually helped kind of guide this conversation. So I'll give you guys the airwaves, just tell people how they can find out more about you. So Leslie, why don't you start off and then we'll go to Dan after that. Sure. You can visit me at my website, eWriteOnline.com or follow me on Twitter at Leslie O. Not Leslie Zero, Leslie Letter O. <laughs> Leslie, very good. All right. All right, Dan, and on Twitter, I am at DNM54, and most of our stuff is on the Opus Research website, which is www.opusresearch.net. Uh, not okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and we'll put all these. We're gonna do a blog post of all this, and we'll put all the links in there. So that's very awesome. good. And then Neil, go ahead. Thank you. Just Twitter handle at. First name, last name, all together. Neil Toff. And, you know, if I can put a shameless plug in for the, the podcast, Fireside Chats Without the Fires, there's some amazing guests, thought leaders on there and, and content that's generated. And the other thing I'd just like to mention to, to the audience, thank you, especially a couple of you that dissented. I love dissent. Let's chat. Let's com- let's have a conversation. This is great. This is what's fun about this community is it's mostly welcoming to different opinions. I think especially Robert Wainwright, love that you disagreed with it. Like, Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's figure stuff out. Come on the podcast at some point. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Descent is a good thing, and and thank you to Unifor Randy to you as well for having me and all of us on this panel together. Yeah, thank you, Randy. Thanks for your empathy. <laughs> uh, come on guys we don't want to make empathy like an empathy <laughs> no i appreciate all you guys you guys are great to the contact center and cx community so this is part of multiple different types of conversations that we're going to be having on linkedin so make sure to follow the unifor linkedin page we'll be doing one next week with our co-founder and ceo umesh sashdev he'll be sharing his predictions on the contact center in 2021. So make sure to tune into that and stay tuned to the LinkedIn company page for all those details. And that's all for today. Stay healthy, have a great rest of your day and happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bye. Unifor. Thank you, Randy. Great Thanks. job, Leslie and Dan Miller. Thank you. Bye. See you soon, I hope. You have been listening to the Conversations That Matter podcast by Unifor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and rate and review to enable us to create relevant and valuable content for your business. If you'd like to learn more about conversational service automation, visit unifor.com. Have a great day.